0: Hey, this is Chris Auer, and I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Grace Outreach Church. God has blessed us to have an amazing young adults ministry called Rise Up, where every week young people get to come together to worship God, to dive into the Word through our small groups, and be a part of a family that believes that God wants to use each of us to grow the kingdom of God. We're about to dive into the scripture that we've been talking about in our small groups. So I hope this podcast encourages you. I hope it builds your faith. And I hope it reminds you that you're beautifully and wonderfully made. And that God has a purpose for your life. And that the best is yet to come. I hope you enjoy the message.
1: Um, so this week, we're diving into a new series this week. I'm really, really excited for this series. So we just got done with um, a series that we've been walking through called Seed Time and Harvest Time. And we had walked through this series, and it was an amazing series that looked at the biblical principle of sowing seeds and reaping a harvest, right? That we looked at the idea of giving, um, not only of our, our, uh, our resources, but also our time and our talent, Um, And we looked at the idea of sowing seeds in the kingdom of God, sowing seeds in other people, and then the process of reaping that spiritual harvest, right? Um, And I'm excited for this series that we're going to be going into, and the title of this series, it's going to be titled, Standing on the Promises of God. Um, And, you know, the last series that we were in, the foundational kind of scripture that we were looking at um, throughout the whole series was Genesis chapter 8, right? When um, God promised Noah and his family as they were leaving the ark, he said that as long as the earth endures, there will always be a seed time and a harvest time, right? And Apostle Paul, a lot of the scriptures that we looked at through this series was... From the Apostle Paul, um, and the Apostle Paul understood that, um, you know, when he was encouraging the church in Galatia, for example, he understood um, in Galatians chapter six verse nine that Paul really understood that um, that if we don't give up, that there will be a harvest, right? That that promise in Genesis chapter eight was indeed a promise, and that God was telling us that if we don't give up, if we don't stop running after him, if we don't stop magnifying God, if we just continue to press forward that we're gonna reap a harvest. And Paul understood that in Galatians 6 verse 9 when he said, Do not grow weary in doing good, for in a proper season you will reap a harvest if you don't give up, right? Paul understood this. He didn't say that if you, you know, are absolutely perfect that you're gonna reap a harvest. He said that if you he said that you will reap a harvest if you don't give up, right? It's not that you need to have everything together, it's not that you need to be absolutely perfect, it's just that you can't give up, right? And I think that you know that can sound easy when you first hear that, I'm like, oh like We just don't have to give up and we're going to get the harvest, right? But I think it sounds super easy until you understand and you've been in this situation in your life when you start to run after God and then you realize that you're not the only one in this race, right? That you're not the only one that's standing there waiting for that seed to come up, right? That I think one of the things that in this 21st century, one of the things that the church, um, that's been an effect of the church living in a consumeristic culture Um, is that the church has now become, I think, a very consumeristic church in a sense that, you know, we tend to leave out the idea and the concept that um, following Jesus and running after God doesn't necessarily mean an easier life on earth for you, right? I think now we have this tendency, if we're not careful, to try to market Jesus to people and saying, you know, that if know, if you follow Jesus, that your life is going to get so much better here on earth. And I do believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit will give us unspeakable joy. He'll give us peace that surpasses all understanding and that God has called us to live an abundant life. But I would also say that following Jesus and making the decision to run after God and to live a life for the Lord, it doesn't always mean that your life is going to get easier here on earth. It does mean eternal salvation, praise God that we have a place in heaven with God, but Something that I didn't know getting into it, it felt like was that in me accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that I am walking into a battle, right? That I am walking into a battle, and me accepting God into my life gives me access to all of this amazing supernatural power, but also I start walking into a spiritual battle, right? And I think that you know, one of the reasons why I love the Apostle Paul is because the Apostle Paul really understood this battle right I mean seriously it's like you don't hear a whole lot of the church talking about the battle that you're walking into as a believer and I think of you know just the last couple of years with rise up it's been crazy and I think one of the hardest things for me as a leader in Rise Up or even just a spiritual leader in general is to watch people as they press into God and as they, yes, receive you know, the, you know, the, the, the presence of God and receive all of the blessings that come from that. One of the hardest things for me is to watch the enemy start to attack people as they press into God. And right? I think every single person at Rise Up has their own story of, you know, how, how right at that single moment you started pressing to God, when you started going to Rise Up, when you started going to church, when you started praying more and you started reading your Bible more, that all of a sudden you started getting attacked by all these different things in your life, right? And I feel like that the church, again, we don't do a great job in telling people that life of following Jesus is not necessarily just a walk on the beach. It's more of a battle, right? That you need to get ready to fight a battle for your spiritual life. Right? And so one of my prayers with, with this series is that we would learn what it means to do battle. That we would learn how to stand on the promises of God and what that looks like. And one of the reasons why I love the Apostle Paul and I love his writings to the churches is that he understood that a spiritual walk with Jesus means a battle while we're here on earth. Right, And that's in Ephesians chapter 6 where I want us to go. Um, and this, this scripture is actually going to be our um, foundational scripture for our series and standing standing on the promises of God. And so Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18, you know, a lot of people have been in church and you may have read these verses before. He's talking about putting on the full armor of God. And again, I love this because Paul is being very upfront. And again, the Christians in this day, the, the Christians that Paul was writing to, they're in the, they understood very well that following Jesus in their time meant a high probability that you were actually sacrificing your life, right? That You were actually going to either go to prison or you're going to get persecuted unto death, right? And so they understood this concept of following Jesus being um, a battle, not just spiritually, but also um, naturally in their lives. But for us, you know, especially living in the United States, I can tell you that if you continue to try to press into God and if you continue to grow deeper with God, that there's going to be an opposition in your life and you need to be ready for that opposition, right? And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to prepare ourselves and how to fight that battle. And that's what Paul is talking about with this armor of God. So I'm just going to read these verses. Again, we're going into Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. Um, And I'm going to read these and we're going to talk about them a little bit. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, I'm going for the New King James Version. We're going anointed today. Um, So verse 13, it says, Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace." Amen. All right, let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. God, I thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that you would bless these words, God. I pray that you would anoint these words, God, to bless somebody's heart, God. I pray that you would give us the strength to fight the enemy, God, that we would walk by faith and not by sight, Lord. God, I pray that you would give us the discipline, God, to stand against the lies of the enemy, God, to put on the full armor of God, Lord. And I pray that we would be ready for this um, this battle, God, that we have walked into with you Jesus and I pray that we would remember during this battle God that we have the victory in the name of Jesus God that even if everything doesn't look like it's working out right now God that we know that you are working all things for our good Lord and we believe that tonight God we believe that God in the name of Jesus Lord and we stand on that tonight God so Lord I thank you God I pray that you would equip us God that you'd fill us with your spirit Lord and God we pray all of these things in your holy name thank God and amen and amen, and amen. All right, well, again, I love this uh, scripture in Ephesians 6 because, again, Paul seems to understand the idea that we... As believers, we are walking into a battle. And I think every morning, you know, we gotta remind ourselves of that. Of, you know, We need to remind ourselves that yes, you know, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need an intimate relationship with God. Not because that makes me a better Christian, not because um, that's the right thing to do, but because I am walking into a battle. And I think again, a lot of us we don't understand that and we're not we're not teaching that as believers, right? But I think that's a really difficult thing because you know I don't want to give the enemy glory, I don't want to, you know, magnify him by any means, but 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 part of my problem is that you know, how can you win a fight? How can you fight the good fight if you don't even know who you're in the ring with? Right? It's like it's like how can you expect to win a fight if you won't even recognize that you're in a fight? Right? So that's like the part of the starting line is that we need to understand that we are in a fight, right? And that's, you know, what Paul says is Paul, when he talks about the full armor of God, right? He's talking about that you're going to be in a battle, right? You wouldn't need the armor of God if you aren't expecting to be in a battle. And so I think it's so important to understand that, okay, God, you know, we just went through this whole series on sowing and reaping, right? And I think that there's this process of, you know, this idea almost, if we're being honest, of, you know, I sow the seed and then I reap a harvest. I sow the seed and then I reap a harvest, right? But, you know, we talked about during this last series that there's going to be a season in your life in between when you sow the seed and when you reap The harvest hallelujah God and that season's gonna change for everybody there isn't a formula to it there isn't you know an answer that I can give you Um, I can just tell you that there is gonna be a season and sometimes that season's gonna be really short sometimes it's gonna be really long sometimes the season's gonna be really easy and sometimes that season's gonna be really difficult right but I think the biggest thing that we need to see at is that after you sow the seed the question is okay now what You know, I've here, I've sown the seed, now what do I do? And I think the first thing that's important to see is that the enemy is going to be there right with you as soon as you sow that seed. And he's going to be trying to speak all of these lies into your heart, right? And I think that the biggest thing that I want to start off with is that after you sow the seed, now, just as Paul says, right? Paul says in verse 13, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that I want to get at is that the biggest thing that we need to do after you sow the seed, right? Whether it's, a, whether it's sowing a seed of worship, whether it's sowing a seed for a job or for a family member or for health or for mental health against anxiety or for you know maybe sowing a seed to grow in your intimate relationship with God, whatever that might be. Whatever the seed is, the thing that you need to do after you sow the seed is that you need to stand. Right, that you need to stand because again, we talked about in Galatians, right? Paul said, He said, if you don't give up, that you will reap a harvest. And I think the biggest thing that the enemy is trying to do is his number one goal is to try to get you to give up, right? That he's trying to get you to leave, that he knows that if you sow the seed, right? Right, imagine that you're like in a field, if you sow the seed, And then if you're sitting there and if the enemy can convince you to walk away from that seed, hallelujah, to walk away from that harvest, to walk away from whatever seed you just sowed, if you can walk away from it, then that's the only way that the enemy is going to get you, hallelujah, to not receive the harvest that God has for you. And so what Paul is doing is Paul is trying to give the church in Ephesus the application of how do you stand your ground against the enemy, right? How do you stand your ground when you've sown the seed and there's nothing coming out of the ground yet? Right? How do you stand your ground when you're worshiping God, when you're magnifying God, when you're doing all these things and yet you don't see the harvest starting to come up yet? How do you stand your ground? Right? And so I believe that after you sow the seed, you have to stand. And so the question that I ask then is, what are you standing on? You see, because what you stand on, right, whether it's, you know, the ground that you're standing on, whatever that is, the ground that you stand on is the very thing that gives you stability, It's the very thing that gives you comfort, right, right, whatever you're standing on might be the thing that gives you worth, that might give you peace, that gives you joy, right? I believe that if you're trying to stand on something that's unstable, right, then you're not going to last, right? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about, you know, building your house on the sand versus building your house on the rock, Right? And if you try to stand on something that wasn't made to hold the weight, it's not that, you know, it's the wrong thing or it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's just whatever that thing is that you're trying to stand on, it wasn't built to carry the weight of your worth or to carry the weight of your comfort. Right? I think so many of us, if we try to find our joy in relationships or if we try to find our comfort in the job that you have, right? Or like if you find your worth in the amount of money that you make, right? You'll be good until you find somebody or you hear about somebody that's making more money than you, right? And then all of a sudden where your worth, where your stability was standing on, now that's shaken, right? And so the question is, is what are we standing on? Are we standing on relationships? Relationships are great. You know, relationships are blessing, are blessings. But I can tell you is that if you are putting your peace and putting your joy and putting your worth in another broken person, like no matter how great they are, no matter how much they love the Lord, praise God, you know, you got friends, you got a relationship, you got a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, or a wife, you know, that loves the Lord. That's amazing. But you also need to understand that God is an absolute genius, right? In the fact that he made you need and desire something that only God can give you. Right, that God made you in a way that nobody else. No matter of money that you make, no matter how many cars you drive or how big your house is, no matter who you marry or who you have, you know, you know, or who you're friends with or whatever. No matter how successful you are, there's something inside you that is longing for God. There's something inside you that needs to stand. On the word of God that needs to stand on the promises of God and if we start to build our house on the sand something that's inconsistent then we as a result will have inconsistent joy and inconsistent peace in our life right Jesus prayed that God would not only sanctify the disciples right but Jesus also said that God's word is truth right and so we need to stand not on Um, the sand, but on the rock, right, which is the Word of God, because Jesus said that God's Word is truth, right? When Jesus was in the wilderness, Jesus said that man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so what I believe is that after you sow the seed of faith, after you sow the seed of of worship and of serving, after you sow the seed and say, "God, I'm believing you for this, Lord. God, I'm believing you for my unsaved loved one. I'm believing you, God, for an increase in capacity to love. I'm believing you, God, for an increase in joy in my life." After you sow that seed, I believe that you need to stand on the word of God. That you need to stand on the promises of God, right? Because I can tell you without a Without a shadow of a doubt inside of my mind, inside of my spirit, is that as soon as you sow that seed, the devil is going to come right up in your ear, and he's going to start speaking so many lies into your heart and into your mind. Right, right. You're going to sow the seed, and you're going to be at church, and you're going to sow this seed of worship. And you're saying, God, I'm believing you, um, you know, for a new job. Right, and then as soon as you go to that next interview, and you don't get that job that you thought you were going to get, the devil's going to be in your head, and he's going to be whispering in your head, he's going to say, See. I told you God God isn't real. You know, you didn't get that job because God didn't hear you or you didn't get that job because you're not smart enough or you're not um, talented enough, right? And I believe that there's that moment where, you know, you sowed the seed and now the journey is how do I stand, right? How do I not give up? How do I not give in to the lies of the devil? Because as soon as you sow that seed, oh, hallelujah, that that battle starts right in that moment, if you're not ready for it, if you're not ready to put on the full armor of God and to understand that, God, I'm going to battle, Lord, but God, I believe, God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that I'm going to stand. And I don't think we're going to make it if we're not ready to. And so there's a couple things that you can do as you're waiting, right? Because I think that there will be seasons in your life, whether it's now, whether it's down the road, where you're going to have times where you sow a seed of faith and you don't see anything coming up, right? And that is the moment where us as believers, that we need to learn and train ourselves of how do I stand in the promises of God? How do I not start, how do I not give in to the lies of the enemy? How do I not start speaking death over myself? And I think the first thing that I want us to to focus on, the first thing I wanna challenge you on is that we need to check ourselves, right? You got that saying, what is it? Check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? No, 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 the the first thing that we need to do is we need to check ourselves, right? I think that as believers, and this is what I I mean, is that as believers and as humans and as, um, you know, just a human in general, I think that one of the things that we are so quick to do, no matter where you came from, no matter who you are, what you look like or what you talk like, is that humans, we are so quick to blame other people, right? Like when you look back at Adam and Eve, right? Like we're talking like Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, you know, you see when Adam and Eve, when they eat the fruit, the first thing that they, you know, do when God comes to Adam, he says, you know, it was Eve that did it, right? It was Eve that, that tempted me. And then, you know, Eve talks about the serpent, right? And I think that in the same way, I don't think we've changed a whole lot over all the years, right? That we are, we are so quick To blame other people. We are so quick to blame other people, to blame the circumstances, right? To blame the dog down the street, to blame, um, you know, everything else that everyone's done to us, right? And we even go as far to start blaming God when things start going wrong. Right? But I think one of the first things that we need to do, and I think a discipline in your life, is that when you aren't seeing a harvest that you expected, or you know maybe you're, you're sowing seeds of worship or you're sowing seeds of serving and all these things, and you're not seeing that, I think it's important to check ourselves and to say, okay, God, is there anything in my life, Lord, that I'm not doing, or is there anything in my life that I am doing, Lord? Are there are there sins, you know, that I've even, you know, been walking in, God, that I haven't been talking to you about, Lord? Right? And I'm not talking about you know legalism. I'm not talking about works, but what I'm talking about is that when you have um, things in your life that are working in opposition to God, right, things that grieve the Holy Spirit, I believe that, that that's something that can actually hinder the move of God in your life. Now, notice I said the word hinder. I didn't say stop, right? I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit that God's plan for our lives will happen. I believe that it will come to pass, but I believe that there are things that we can do in our lives that can hinder God's move, right? I believe that there are there's disobedience in our lives that, that can hinder the move of God, right? And is, is this biblical? Well, yeah, you know, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, um, you know, it says husbands, right? All the guys, listen up to this one. This one's great. Husbands, love your wife. This is what the Bible says. It says husbands, love your wife. Okay, that's good. So that, husbands, love your wife so that your prayers will not be hindered. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to read it again. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands, love your wife so that your prayers will not be hindered. Every single woman better be saying amen right now. Husbands, love your wives, so that your prayers will not be hindered. What that tells me is that tells me that if you are not loving in the way that God called you to love, that that can actually hinder the prayers that you are praying to God. Now, notice I'm not saying that God will love you any less. I'm not saying that, you know, you are not the righteousness of God. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that this is biblical, is that if you are not loving the people the way that God commanded you to, that I do believe that that can hinder the prayers that we pray to God, right? And I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, right? It says, you know, we, we talked about it. It says, if you sow sparingly, then you're going to reap sparingly, right? And so one of the first things that, you can do if you're not seeing the fruit come up in your life. And as you're standing, you know, and as you're resisting the enemy, the first thing that we have to do is we have to check ourselves. We have to say, God, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sowing, you know, these seeds of, of, you know, of breakthrough and of deliverance, God. And, you know, if I'm not seeing that, God, i got to ask the question, am I sowing seeds? Right. I got to check myself. Is there something in my life, God, that I'm, that I'm doing or something that I'm not doing? Am I spending time with you, God? Am I am I loving and am I serving God? Because that's the commandment that God gave us. Right. That Jesus said that a new commandment I give you to love one another. Right. And so the question is, you know, God, OK, am I am I doing something? Is there something in my, in my life that's hindering the relationship with you that I'm looking for. Right? because i think a lot of people you know we're asking god for breakthroughs we're asking god for deliverances you know, we're asking God for all these things but yet we're still walking in unforgiveness right and that unforgiveness let me just tell you is in direct opposition to the holy spirit right so if you are looking for peace or if you've been noticing that my peace or my joy is a little low I want you to ask yourself, is there unforgiveness that you're walking in? Is there someone that you're holding onto a seed of bitterness? Again, that seed of bitterness is not going to stop you, um, you know, from getting to heaven. That seed of bitterness is not going to stop God from loving you, right? That God loves you unconditionally, that you are beautifully and wonderfully made no matter what. But what the seed of bitterness can do is the seed of bitterness can actually rob you of peace and of joy, can rob you of you know, that that manifestation of the spirit moving in your life. And so the question is, is God, the first question I need to ask is, Lord, is there something in my life, God, that I can change? There's something, God, that I can do, Lord, God, to serve you and to love you and to worship you, right? And I think that after we do that, after we ask the question of, God, you know, what's going on? in my life. And if we do, that, we've checked ourselves. And if we've asked, "Hey, okay, God, is there any seeds of unforgiveness? Is there any bitterness, God? You know, am I serving people? And if we do all that, but if we're still not seeing an increase, then I believe that what we need to do is we need to, hallelujah, what the Bible says is to walk by faith and not by sight. And we need to stand on the promises of God right because as we wait the enemy will start to attack you through relationships right or the enemy will attack you through you know your job situation or even physical sickness right that again so many times we have this weird misconception that I don't know where we got it from right i'm i'm i mean i think some of it honestly is the church but again we have this weird misconception that if i if i put my my faith in jesus that that my life is going to get easier Right. There's this like marketing pitch that we almost do where it's like, if I put my faith in God, that my life is going to get easier. You know, everything's going to go right. Right. That God's just this like, you know, supernatural vending machine where, you know, I, OK, God, I trust you now. I want a new relationship and I want a new job and I want, 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 want. And I don't know what it is, but what Paul lays out, especially in Ephesians chapter six, you know, we always talk about the armor of God. but Like this is for a battle. Like, this is for a battle, and I believe that, you know, even after you, you know, are forgiving, you know, the people you need to, even after you're worshiping God, magnifying God, I can tell you in my life that as I started to grow in my intimacy with the Lord, I started getting attacked so much more in my life. Right, Supernaturally, and I saw this over and over again, is that as you start to press into the presence of God, yes, there is this intimacy with the Lord that is far greater than any attack that the enemy could ever bring your way. But I can tell you that as you start to tap into the anointing of God, hallelujah, the enemy is gonna start attacking you because the enemy knows that once you start tapping into the anointing of God, once you start believing in the power of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, that the enemy knows that you're dangerous now. Because let me just tell you this, the enemy's goal is for you to not know that you're in a fight, right? Because again, how can you win a fight if you don't even know that you're in a fight, right? That's his goal. And so I can tell you is that once you start to recognize that you are in a spiritual battle, he will start to attack you because he knows, oh my gosh, this person's in the fight now you know, crap, before they didn't even believe that I existed, right? They didn't even believe that there was a devil. But once they started to see that there is a spiritual dimension going on, well, now I got to step up my game and now I got to start attacking them, right? So the enemy is going to start attacking you, right? And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, right? The prophet, he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right and that is such a great promise and it is so amazing but what that what that verse also tells you is that verse says that there are going to be weapons that form against you right that the enemy is always trying to and the bible says that the enemy prowls around like a lion looking to devour right? The enemy is always looking to throw weapons against you, but in the name of Jesus, that if you continue to run after God, that we believe that no weapon formed against us will prosper in the name of Jesus. That yes, they might form, but they're not going to prosper. Hallelujah. And that's a promise that God gives us, right? When the devil starts to form weapons against us, what we need to learn how to do, and this is something that you have to learn, is you have to learn how to stand on the promises of God, right? Because like, you're like, your gut and your knee, your knee jerk reaction is that when the enemy throws a weapon your way, the first thing that we start to do is we start to doubt God. Right, and this isn't new, right? The disciples did it, you know. When Peter got out of the boat and he started to see the wind and the waves, and he looked around at his surroundings, and he started to fear and he started to sink. Right, this isn't new. But what it is is that we need to relearn the way that we think. The way we, we need to relearn the way that we act. In a sense of when the enemy starts forming weapons against me, I need to run to the Word of God. Right? I need to run to the promises of God, that I need to put my comfort, I need to put my stability, I need to put my peace and my joy and my worth in the promises of God. Right? Because yes, you know the Bible is the word of God, but the promises of God are inside the Bible. And each of the promises of God, the great part about the promises of God is that the promises of God are specific for specific deliverances and specific healings in your life right? It's like the anointing, right? The anointing of God, we, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of us, you know, we'll talk about the anointing of God and some people, you know, they think that the anointing of God is just, you know, the presence of God, but the anointing of God is the presence of God, but the anointing of God is the presence of God for a specific work in your life, right? So I believe that God can put an anointing on you to be a teacher, Right, that you can go into a school and God will anoint you and your mission will be, to, will, will be to be a teacher so that you will have an anointing to pour and to build up the younger generation. I believe that God can make you, hallelujah, an anointed accountant. Right, I believe that God will put an anointing on your life to be an accountant, so that you can spread the word of God throughout that sphere. I believe that God will give you an anointing to evangelize to specific people. Right, that it's not something that you said; it's just something that you know, you know, you know, you said something. It wasn't the words that you said, but it's the way that you said it that it just happened to like tweak their heart, or they just started to listen to you. Right, that it's something that you did, but God will give you an anointing. But the anointing is not just the presence of God; the anointing is. The presence of God for a specific work in your life. And I think in the same way that the promises of God inside the Word of God are specific. They're specific for specific moments, specific attacks even in your life, right? Then we need to learn as disciples and as people that are in this battle against the enemy is you need to learn how to stand on the promises of God, right? That Isaiah said that no weapon will prosper, right? No weapon that's formed is going to prosper. But the way that it's not going to prosper is by you learning how to stand on the word of God. And the reason, the reason why our joy and our peace and our faith is so unstable is because we haven't learned how to stand on the rock, right? That you've been standing on the sand. And again, the sand will work. Hallelujah. And oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Papa. You see, you can build your house on the sand, And everything's good, right? If you have one house on the sand and one house on the rock, everything is fine for both houses until the waves and the winds start coming. Right, And just like that, I believe that in your life, you can build your comfort, and you can build your joy and your peace, and you can stand on the sand, you can stand on on your job or on relationships or on temporary things, and everything looks fine and great until the enemy starts throwing wind and waves your way. Right, And then you start to realize that the things that you're putting your worth on, the things that you're putting your peace and your joy on, the things that you're standing on, cannot hold up against the attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. But the only thing that can hold up against the attacks of the enemy is the promises of God. And God put these promises, you guys, in the Bible so that we can use them, hallelujah, to, to rebuke and to stand against the lies of the enemy, right? I believe that the word of God, hallelujah, and the promises of God will give us the power to stand against the enemy. I believe that no weapon formed against us will prosper because we've put on the full armor of God, right? Paul says, over and over again in this, in, this, in this scripture in Ephesians, he says that you need to stand firm against the evil days, right? Well, what is the evil days? The evil days are the days when the enemy is gonna come and he's gonna speak lies, he's gonna bring attacks of physical sickness or mental health, or he's gonna bring attacks of your job or your finances, or he's gonna bring all these attacks your way, and when he brings them your way, you have to make a decision of what am I gonna stand on? right what am i going to stand on right and so paul he walks through these awesome verses and he says in verse 14 he says therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness right having girded your waist with truth right i love that paul starts with this because again in this time with um, in this biblical time, you know, the, the process of someone putting on their armor, right, is that the belt actually went on underneath the armor, right, because a lot of, you know, men, when they, when they fought and when they went to war, in this time what they actually did is that they, they fought in a big, long robe, right, imagine that, it's like a big toga, right, The super long, you know, robe that they were wearing, and, um, you know, if they did not put on their belt first, then they would actually not be able to maneuver, Inside the fight because they would be tripping over their robe. And so the very first thing that a warrior um, would have to do is that he would have to put on his belt to hold together all of the armor that's going on, right? And I believe that one of the best things that we can do, again, he said the belt of truth, right? I believe one of the one of the best things that we can do to fight against the lies of the enemy is to speak truth over ourselves, right? And I think some of us, you know, we've heard pastors or preachers or somebody, you know, talking about how powerful your words are, you guys, but like your words have supernatural power, right? The Bible says that we were all created in the image of God, right? When I see Genesis, right? When you see creation, all that you see God doing is God is just speaking, right? Over and over and over again. When God speaks something, you know, he says, let there be light and there was light, right? Whenever God speaks, hallelujah, that something happens. And I believe in the same way you were created in the the image of God. And so I believe that when we speak words over ourselves, hallelujah, that I believe that actually something happens in our lives. And I believe that we cannot maneuver the fight against the enemy if you do not speak truth over yourself, right? That speaking truth has power in our lives is in actually Luke chapter 23. There's an example of this that I think is just so amazing of the power of us just speaking truth over our situation and over ourselves. In Luke chapter 23, you actually see Jesus is hanging on the cross, right? Jesus has been through you know the whole process of being beaten, of being whipped, all these things. And you know the author paints this picture of Jesus hanging on the cross between these two criminals, right? And we have these two criminals hanging on the cross and... Um, you know, both these criminals we know, you know, deserved this death, that they were both up there based on what they did, um, that they deserved this crucifixion. And you see these amazing verses, I just want to read them real quick. Luke chapter 23, verse 39, it says, Then one of the criminals who were um who were hanged blasphemed him, him being Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, hallelujah, answering, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, as surely um, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And I think the reason why this scripture stood out to me, the reason why, um, you know, I thought of this with speaking truth is, you know, I believe that, you know, you have Jesus up on the cross and he is with two murderers, two thieves, right? That understand that, you know, the second one understands that he was supposed to be up there right that that what he did deserved it and I think that you know it's amazing because you see this criminal lived a life of crime and everything but yet in a single moment he spoke truth over himself and what we see in verse 43 is that that actually got him into heaven right not because of the life that he lived not because of how righteous he was, but because the person on the cross right the second thief what he did is he did two things the first thing that he did is is in verse, um, In verse 41, he says, We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. Right? I see this thief that the first thing he did while he's up on the cross is that he confessed his sins, right? The, The thief confessed his sins after living a life of, you know, separated from God, living a life for himself. That on that cross, in a single moment, the thief confessed his sins. And then he did this amazing thing in verse 42. He looked to Jesus and he said, Lord, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And right there, that first word is he said, Lord. In that moment, I believe that the criminal, right? He didn't have the scriptures right in that moment, right? Then when he he was hanging up on the cross, he didn't have this Bible written out that you and I have. But in that moment, the criminal spoke truth. And he said, and he looked at Jesus and he called him Lord. He said, you are god that you are the living one that you are the lord the king the savior and in that moment the criminal spoke truth over himself and in that moment he received salvation because of the truth that he spoke over himself that simply in him just saying lord was him speaking supernatural truth over over holly over a situation he spoke supernatural truth to Jesus and said, you are Lord. And that gave him salvation just by speaking truth. And so my question is that, what are you speaking over yourself? Right? We've talked about this over and over and over again. I think it's so important because I think we're continuing. I think that there are people, Holly, that are listening to this right now that you have such a, an unhealthy habit of the words that you speak over yourself. Right? I believe that every single Word that we say has power. and I think so many of us, you know, we don't take, and I believe it's a lie from the enemy, but you don't take the weight of the words that you have, right? That like you wake up and like before you can even like finish eating your Frosted Flakes, you're already starting to like speak words in your head over yourself. Like, oh my gosh, you know, today's going to be another terrible day. Or like, man, I'm not smart enough. Or man, I'm not good enough. Or like, you know, something happens as soon as you get to work. And the first thing you say over, you know, over yourself, like, I'm never going to get a better job you know, like, nobody likes me, or like, you know, like, you're hanging out with your friends, and something happens, and you start saying, you know, nobody likes me, or, you know, I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good-looking enough, or, you know, I pray, you know, you know, you pray in the morning, you know, because, you know, you're asking God to deliver you from, you know, some anxiety that you've been having in your life, or, you know, and, and, you know, you wake up the next morning, you feel that anxiety, you start speaking of yourself, like, you know, this is never going to get better, you know, I'm never going to get through this, right, and I heard this, like, 24 hours ago, in a you know, a preacher was saying this, and you know, I thought it was funny at first, but this thing has actually really blessed me. Um, and i am starting to do it, but he said this thing, and you know, he's talking about the words that we are saying over ourselves. And he said this awesome thing. He said, end every single sentence that you say, right? So any of the words that you speak over yourself, whatever that might be, end it with, and I'm okay with that. Right? And like it sounds goofy, but like let me explain. So, like, whatever you say over yourself end that sentence with, I'm okay with that. And if you can't end the sentence with, I'm okay with that, then you should not be speaking that over yourself, right? So an example of that, you know, is like, let's say that you wake up, you know, and you know, your, your self-talk is, you know, this is never going to get better, right? If what you need to do is you need to end that sentence with, and I'm okay with that. So you would say, this is never going to get better. And I'm okay with Right? Like you would never say that, right? And it's not true because if it's not true, then that's what I'm saying is that what, it starts, what that starts to do is that starts to identify, and it's really did it for my life, is how much I speak negativity and death over myself, right? Where it's like, you know, nobody's ever gonna like me. I'm never gonna get a boyfriend. I'm never gonna get a girlfriend. I'm never gonna get any friends. And I'm okay with that. Right, that's like a check for me of like, am I speaking life or am I speaking death over my situation? Right, because I believe that the words that you speak, that you need to speak truth over yourself, right? Hallelujah. So, what you need to do is you can go to the word of God, you can go to the promises of God, and you can start to speak truth over yourself, right? So, if you wake up, right, and you're struggling with anxiety right? That not only can you just, you know, not only pray against the anxiety, but you can actually take a promise from the word of God and you can stand on that promise, right? So you're sitting in anxiety and you can speak the promises of God over yourself. So, you know, you're sitting in anxiety, but you can speak Jeremiah 29:11 over yourself, right? That you're sitting there in the morning, and you're feeling anxious. And instead of being like, oh, I'm anxious again, this is never going to get better. Then you can actually say, you know, I'm anxious, but but the word of God says in Jeremiah 29 11, God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, right? And you can stand on the promise. You can say, God, I'm gonna stand on Jeremiah 29 11 today, that even though I'm feeling anxious, God, because I'm feeling anxious about the future, because I'm feeling anxious about my relationships, God, because I'm feeling anxious about what's gonna happen tomorrow, what's gonna happen today, right? That I'm gonna stand on Jeremiah 29:11, and I'm gonna stand on the fact that I have a God that knows my future. And it's a future that's not going to do me any harm or evil, but to give me a hope and a future. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are so good, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that I can stand on Jeremiah 29 11, right? That there is a promise of God that can rebuke anxiety in the name of Jesus. That there is a promise of God that can rebuke anxiety any sort of anxiety, that if I trust God, and if I stand on the promises of God, hallelujah, and if I speak truth over myself, that that's part of wearing the belt of truth, right? And then Paul, he goes on though, and then he says, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, right? And I think that there's a promise in that, right? That we're not talking about righteousness that comes from us, we're talking about righteousness that comes from God. Right? And so what the enemy will do, hallelujah, and I can just tell you that the enemy will do this, is the enemy comes to you and he tries to remind you when you mess up that you're not righteous. Right? He tries to say, see, I told you. You know, you thought you were better, but you keep messing up. But this is an awesome thing that I learned, you know, and that I'm still learning by God's grace, is that I can actually take the lies from the enemy and I can flip them back on him, right? That's when the Bible says that you're more than a conqueror. I believe that I not only will conquer the lies of the enemy, but I can actually use the lies of the enemy to build my faith up. So what happens, the enemy comes to me and he says, you see, you are not righteous, right? That you messed up and you're not good enough. And when I can come in, I can flip it back on him and say, but wait, my righteousness doesn't even come from me. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is a promise that you can stand on when the enemy tries to tell you that you are not righteous, that you can say, you know, I'm not righteous. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, God who made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. In other words, that God made Jesus the son of God who knew no sin. He made him, hallelujah, take all of my sins up on the cross So what that made me is that when Jesus died and he rose again, that he made me the righteousness of God, not because of what I've done. So literally there's nothing that I can do on this earth to make me righteous. The Bible says that my righteousness is but a filthy rag. And so the promise of God is that God sent Jesus so that I would become the righteousness of God through how good Jesus was, not through how good I am. And so that promise shifts the focus from me onto Jesus. And I can say, no. Satan, I'm not righteous, but my righteousness doesn't come from me, that my righteousness comes from God. And you reminding me that I'm not righteous, that I can't do it on my own, that that actually reminds me that it's not about me. Hallelujah. And that's when the Bible says that in my weakness, that's when I'm strong. Hallelujah. So you can stand on the promise of God. Hallelujah. That our righteousness does not come from us, that it comes from God. And then Paul, he goes on and he says, you know, after you put on the breastplate of righteousness, hallelujah, he says, above all, you know, above all these things, above all of these things, take up the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, right? The shield of faith. I think the shield of faith is so amazing, you know, because in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul said it to the Romans. He said, that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And I believe that you can't have faith without hearing the word of God. But more importantly, I think that there's a supernatural power that comes when you start to hear the word of God from yourself. Right, But I think what happens in the problem is I think some of us, we're struggling with our faith and we're getting frustrated because we're saying, God, you know, I I feel like my faith isn't growing, God. I feel like I want to build my faith up. But the problem is you're not listening to the word of God, that you need to get the word of God inside you, that I'm not telling you to spend quiet time with God just because that'll make you a better Christian because it won't. I'm telling you to spend quiet time with God because you need to hear your soul and your spirit needs to hear the word of God. That faith and faith in God comes from hearing the word of God. All right, but so many of us, we gotta ask, what am I listening to? You know, what promises, you know, am I standing on the promise of God or am I listening to all these other voices? Right? And I have a challenge that I wanna end you guys with. You know, as we just start this series, hallelujah, that God is calling us to stand on the promise of God. But what I wanna challenge you with is I wanna challenge you as you move forward today, is I wanna challenge you as you move forward listen or watch a single sermon every single day, right? And I say that because I believe that that will put you in a position where you are listening to the word of God. And I believe that when you position yourself hallelujah, to listen to the word of God. I believe that your faith is going to grow. So if you're someone that's looking to grow in your faith, I want to ask you and I want to challenge you to discipline yourself moving forward to every single day, listen to a sermon, right? It can be 15, 20 minutes. I mean, excerpt on YouTube, whatever that might be. Or you can, you know, listen to a whole one, whatever that might be. One sermon. Every single day, I want to challenge you, and I believe that when you do that, that your faith is going to continue to grow. I believe that you are going to get fed spiritually, and I believe that you are going to get promises from God that you can stand on, right? But what I want us to start in this week is I want us to start looking at the idea that God is calling us to stand, that after you sow a seed of faith, after you sow a seed of worship, that what God needs you to learn is that you need to learn how to stand on the promises of God that there are so many promises in this word and in the Bible that God needs you to start grabbing a hold of right whatever the situation is right right that if you're you know if you if you're dealing with anxiety right that you need to stand on the promise of God if you're dealing with depression that you need to stand on the promises of God if you're dealing if you're if you're dealing with insecurities that you can stand on the promises of God that all these weapons the enemy all the fiery darts that Paul talks about that the enemy is going to send your way that you need to stand on the promises of God and that there There is a promise of God for every single situation that you're going through. Hallelujah! Yes, we are entering into a battle that you are, as the old saints would say, in a soldier in the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that God has given us everything that we need to withstand the enemy and to withstand the evil days. And we need to put on the armor of God. You need to put on the belt of truth. You need to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. You got to put on all this armor. And when you do, that you're going to be able to withstand the lies of the enemy. And so we are going to start this journey on the promises of God. And I believe that as we do this, the Holy Spirit is going to give us promises that you can equip yourself with, that you can protect yourself with, that you can stand up against the lies of the enemy, that you can fight off the lies of the evil one, and that you will know, hallelujah, that these promises that God has given you, hallelujah, are promises that are going to help you live and help you walk into a more intimate relationship with God.
0: Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I would love for you to subscribe to our show. That way you can not only follow what we're studying at Rise Up, but you can also be a part of this family that God's growing to advance His kingdom. If you're interested in joining the family on our Thursday night service, you can visit www.graceoutreachchurch.org and go to the Rise Up page for more details. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Rise Up podcast.